with the Milestones podcast. This is episode 78, and today I wanted to talk about crawling. The topic of crawling as a developmental milestone has become somewhat controversial in today's world. Interestingly, it is very difficult to find research studies on the long-term effects of babies that never crawled. Because of this, as developmental therapists and experts in our fields, we have to go by what our experiences have shown us and use what information we do know about the positive effects of crawling on development in order to make recommendations to the families we work with. Before I go into more detail on this topic, I wanted to remind you about the opportunity to receive continuing education units for listening to this show. This episode in particular and several of my recent episodes are available as CEUs for therapists. You can find the information either in the show notes on your podcast app or on my website at mymidwesttherapy.com under the details area of the episodes. Click on where it says buy now and purchase the short test for only $10. All you have to do is complete the test and send it back to me with correct answers, and I will send you the certificate of completion with all of the necessary documentation for you. This will work with OTs in most states, but please check to make sure it applies to yours. I know that in Kansas, this would count as a self-study, similar to how it works with webinars. Please send me an email if you have any questions, allison at mymidwesttherapy.com. Now back to the topic for today of crawling. Some of you might be wondering why an occupational therapist would be talking about crawling. It might sound like more of a physical therapy topic to many people. The reason it matters to OTs is because crawling can help develop the underlying foundational skills needed for fine motor skills, handwriting, and other areas of development that are helpful for being successful in their school-aged years. I am aware that there are also some kids out there that skip the crawling phase altogether, and they have no issues or difficulties at all related to development, even in their school-aged years. The problem is, We don't know exactly why some kids have more difficulty than others, and crawling does have many benefits. So this is why we therapists recommend it for all babies. Think of it more as a just-in-case type situation. Let's get them crawling even for a couple of months, just in case they are one of the kids that could have issues later on in school if they don't. We will get into those potential issues later in the show today. Also, even though crawling is considered a gross motor skill, and gross motor skills tend to be considered more of a physical therapist topic overall, when we're talking about early development with newborns and infants moving through their milestones, OTs are quite often involved from a very early age. This applies especially to children who have or are at risk for having a developmental delay. When these babies are involved in early intervention programs, it is common for OTs to start working with them because we do understand the early gross motor skill development as well as the other areas of development too. 
Of course, not all babies are at risk for having developmental or physical delays. And in those cases, they most likely won't have any therapists monitoring them. But that doesn't mean that this topic doesn't apply to them, because crawling is something that is recommended for all babies. I hear more and more about babies that never crawled, or babies that would rather stand and try to walk, even though they've never crawled. I'm hearing this from a lot of parents of children with or without developmental or physical delays, or concerns of any kind. There are many reasons why this is becoming more common. One is that, in general, babies spend more time than they used to in things like car seats and bouncy seats, strollers, and swings, these type of things. Some people like to call them containers. The more time babies spend in these things and just being held by parents and family members, the less time they spend on the floor and on their tummies. Of course, I'm not against holding babies. That is a very important thing to do with them as well. Number two, electronics. It is undeniable that smartphones, tablets, YouTube, and whatever else are so widely available now that I'm seeing even the littlest ones holding these things and watching them. And a lot of times they're sitting in their little container seats at the same time, both in public and at home. The point is, there is a lot more sitting, or let's just say a lot more non-moving time than there used to be. And this isn't just for babies and kids. Adults are also part of this trend. A third reason why babies aren't crawling as much could be related to back to sleep. I think most people can agree with this one since starting this campaign back in the mid-90s, babies started to hit milestone markers later than they had before, not just crawling. In case you don't know what back to sleep is, it was the movement that pushed for putting babies on their backs while they are sleeping rather than on their tummies. The purpose of this is to reduce the risk of SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome, which is where a baby, usually less than one year old, apparently stops breathing and dies while they are asleep with no warnings and no explanations. The problem with back to sleep is that a lot of parents have become so scared of putting their babies on their tummies at all, even while they're awake and while they're being supervised because the fear of SIDS is so high. I'm not sure the newer campaign slogan, which is tummy to play back to sleep, caught on as well as just back to sleep by itself did. Anyway, moving on from that, I have witnessed many debates and heated conversations on social media sites about this whole crawling thing. Some people will say, all babies need to crawl, and then someone else will say, my baby never crawled and they're just fine. I'm not trying to spark another huge debate with this show. I think it is reasonable to see both sides of this discussion. Possibly if we word it like this instead, it is recommended that parents encourage their babies to crawl because it is a beneficial activity for their whole body. It might take parents off the defense, the defensive just a little. And keeping in mind that we know some kids are okay, even though they didn't crawl as babies. But some kids have a lot of trouble with skills that affect their ability to learn. And this may not become apparent until they get into school. And lack of crawling may not be the sole culprit for their learning difficulties, but it's something we may never know. Whether or not the benefits they could have gotten from crawling 
would have made the difference as they get older. So I'd rather err on the side of caution and try to get as many babies crawling as possible, just in case. We may not have sufficient evidence to show that not crawling has a negative effect in the long run on development with some kids, but as far as I know, there is also no evidence saying that crawling is bad for kids either. I want to point out that milestones tend to work out well as what we think of as building blocks, meaning one skill tends to prepare the baby for the next skill and so on. So even though some babies end up walking and skip the crawling phase, they may have missed all of the other benefits of the activity of crawling. Even though they have managed to get up and start walking, which tends to be a more advanced skill than crawling, so it appears that they are advanced in their gross motor skills, skipping a major skill and never doing it, even after they're walking, may not actually be a good thing because there are pieces of the crawling activity that are very beneficial and that baby missed those pieces. And it may not be obvious, but there may be some effects from missing those pieces. And either they don't know it yet, or don't recognize it yet. It could also be the case that there are no negative effects on their baby at all from missing those pieces. And maybe they've been able to get them in some other way, and they didn't even realize it. Before I get into the stages of crawling, I want to make sure we are all on the same page with what I mean by the term crawling. When I say crawling, I am talking about being up on hands and knees with your head up or extended and moving forward, one hand and opposite knee at the same time, then the other side, hand and knee. These are reciprocal movements, meaning alternating right and left sides, which is the same pattern that we use in walking. When you move your right leg forward, for example, your left hand moves forward at the same time, and vice versa as you walk in a forward motion. There are many stages to crawling, which I will talk about now. First, in the pre-crawling phase, we can see these skills happening shortly after babies are born. They will be able to lift their head up off of their parent's chest within the first couple of weeks of being born. Keep in mind that as I'm going through this stuff, I'm talking about what usually happens during typical development. These timelines are not set in stone, but are really just meant as guidelines for when to start looking for the skills. More importantly, though, it is just watching babies go through the progression of their skills. Again, usually in this order, but definitely not 100% of the time. Every child will follow their own timeline, so if your baby isn't doing something yet, it doesn't mean you need to freak out. Let's just say that sometime during the first six months after they're born, Babies go through pre-crawling stages that generally look like this. They start by being on their tummy and just being okay with this position while their parents hold them up against their chest usually. This may be while the parent is sitting upright and also when they're laying down flat. The newborn begins to lift their head up momentarily, then several seconds, then longer, and they begin to lift their head up and turn it to the opposite side and rest it back down. Until eventually... They're able to hold their head up higher and longer and look straight ahead, then also look around the room. Of course, all of this is what those of you who are regular listeners of my show understand as the beginning of tummy time. From here, they start to bear weight on their forearms and push up slightly so their chest is up off the floor. 
then eventually will end up pushing up on their hands with their elbows extended or straight. Let's stop right here and just talk about the benefits of this part of the pre-crawling phase. Number one, they're strengthening their head and neck muscles. Why is this good? It helps with head and neck support and stability. It helps strengthen the muscles inside the neck and throat area, which is good for swallowing. It can help build up those muscles necessary for controlling and swallowing liquids at this point and start building muscles to get ready for pureed foods. Lifting the head and turning the head side to side helps develop not only the strengthening of those muscles in the neck, but they're also working on their visual skills. This is a very early activity that naturally encourages visual scanning of the environment. They start to turn their head side to side and at the same time are using their vision, their eyes, to look around, especially at the area close to them but also farther away at things in the distance. The side to side part is interesting to me because I would consider this a beginning phase of crossing midline. Visually crossing midline by scanning or looking left to right and right to left, but also physically turning their head to face each side. When they start to push up on their forearms, they're starting to weight bear on their forearms, elbows, and shoulders, which encourages the development of the muscles, ligaments, and tendons of those joints to work together and begin stabilizing those areas. It also provides some sensory proprioceptive input through this weight-bearing activity and helps provide information to their body about where they are in space. All of these things, and probably many more, are going on during this very early time of life, during the pre-crawling stage. The next part of this usually involves rolling over from tummy to back and back to tummy, scooting backwards and forwards on their tummy, turning around in a circle while staying on their tummy and reaching for toys on the floor in front of them, eventually pushing up on their hands and knees into an all-fours position. This is also about the same time that the baby is able to sit by themselves without falling over or they sit leaning on their hands for support. A lot of times kids will learn to get down from sitting to get back to their tummy or up on their hands and knees from a sitting position as well. All of these building block skills are continuing to build head and neck strength. Now we are also working on core strength and core activation through rolling and turning or pivoting. They're using their belly and their back muscles to get the middle part of their body turning and arching in the directions they want to go. At the same time, continuing to also strengthen their upper body muscles in their hands, arms, and shoulders. Once they're pushing up onto their hands and knees to hold that position, now we are bringing not only the head and neck and upper extremities into play, now we have added more of the core muscles around their belly and back areas, plus their lower body is also now involved. They're getting some weight bearing through their legs, their lower legs and feet, the knees and hip muscles are all working to stabilize the joints. By working in these positions to stabilize joints, we are setting the stage for improving their balance and core activation. 
hands and knees position is similar to a plank exercise where gravity is pulling down on their middle area and they're working to hold their belly up off the floor and in the meantime strengthening their back and their belly muscles to hold it. This is a good time to encourage the baby to rock back and forth and side to side while staying up on their hands and knees. Singing, playing music, and doing it with them are all good ways to model this action and see if they will do it with you. Rocking in this position encourages them to continue continue with all of the strengthening, the joint stabilization, and core work, but also encourages weight shifting from side to side and forward and back. Weight shifting helps with balance and coordination and body awareness. This is extremely important. Later on when trying to learn to walk, run, jump, and even just sit in a chair without falling out. After the hands and knees and rocking position, the baby starts to lift one hand and reach for things while continuing to hold the position with their other hand and both knees. Think about it though. In order to be able to lift one hand up and hold the position without falling over, first they have to be able to shift their weight over to the one hand that is still on the floor and the knee on the same side. Otherwise, they will either not be able to lift the one hand up at all, or they will get it off the floor but will immediately fall down because they've now removed one of the stabilizing body parts and they hadn't shifted their weight to compensate for that yet. Once they are crawling forward on hands and knees, they are continuing to build on all of the skills that we've talked about up to this point, but also adding even more skills. For example, alternating right and left hands and knees in a reciprocal pattern, as I mentioned earlier, similar to the pattern we use in walking and running, encourages more of those crossing midline and bilateral coordination skills. Not only is the body coordinating both sides, both sides of the body are working together to crawl forward, but also the visual scanning and visual motor areas continue to develop. Now they are looking ahead at the environment of the room in front and to the sides and above them, but also navigating around objects or over objects that they see while crawling. They learn to crawl under the kitchen chairs and crawl to a toy across the room that they want to get to. All These are all important skills for not only the visual sense directly, but also body awareness and depth perception as they navigate in, under, and around furniture and people in the room. Being up on their hands and experiencing the weight bearing of their body on their hands, and more specifically on their palms, is good for developing more of the smaller muscles of the hands, fingers, and thumbs, plus provides a tactile input to their hands. This can help with body awareness, but also from a tactile sensory perspective, with them being able to tolerate touching a variety of textures from the different floor surfaces they will come across. Now you'll notice that I haven't given any timelines for the pre-crawling and crawling skills. I did that on purpose because that is not really the point of this show. As I said, the skills for the ultimate activity of crawling all build up on each other, each one strengthening the skills and practicing the movements and skills to be even better at the next step. 
until finally we get to the crawling step. I am aware that many kids skip the ultimate crawling piece of this, and they may turn out just fine. But think of all those really good exercises they missed out on by skipping over it. You may be saying, so what? It doesn't matter that they skipped it because they are walking now, and that is harder than crawling. They're fine and survived without even crawling. Again, this may be true. Maybe they have found other ways to practice these skills and develop their core muscles and other foundational skills for life. Also, maybe they are still only three or four years old and haven't seen how they are going to do in school and sports and things like this when they're seven, eight, nine years old. Like I said, I'm not trying to spark a debate or controversy here. I'd just like to cover all of the bases, just in case they are one of those kids who really would benefit from having all of those foundational skills that they missed from not crawling. Here's something that a lot of people don't know. We develop in a pattern that is top to bottom and proximal to distal, meaning head to toe and closer to the body to farther away from the body. Think about it. The first thing we tend to do, gross motor-wise, is turn our head side to side and lift our head up off the floor or off mom and dad's chest. The pre-crawling stage begins with the head. And eventually, towards the end of the stage, we are up on hands and knees and the feet are involved with weight-bearing and balance. The proximal to distal or close to the body and farther away from the body means that we need to develop our core muscles, our trunk muscles, first before we can really become proficient at using our fingers for coordinated activities. Think about this. When babies are reaching, are learning to reach for things, they start out by accidentally batting at toys above them with their hands. Then they start hitting at the toys with more purpose, and they are using their shoulder muscles, which are close to their body, in order to get this done. Their hands are usually closed or or possibly start to open up, but the whole arm tends to move as one straight limb. They move on to using their shoulder to get their hand up in the air and begin to try and use their whole hand to touch toys and eventually try to grab toys. Moving on through this, they become more and more proficient at using their fingers to manipulate the toys and push buttons and stuff like that. But only after they have figured out how to stabilize their shoulder joint and use the larger muscles closer towards their body to be able to hold their arms steady enough and in an accurate position for their hand to be able to get the toys and play with them directly. Now imagine the baby in a sitting position. If they aren't able to sit up on the floor by themselves yet, do you think they will be able to reach and play with the toys the same way they did when they were laying down and had the floor supporting their body and their core? Probably not. Now, when they lift their arm, as they did before, but now in a sitting position, their core or their belly and back muscles are trying to do the work that the floor was doing before, only they aren't to that point yet with their core strength. So if they try to reach with their arm, they will likely lose their balance and fall over or begin to fall over, and they will have to stop reaching and hopefully use their hand to catch themselves instead. Remember before when I said that getting on hands and knees happens around the same time that the baby is able to sit independently? 
This should all make sense if you think about it that way now. They haven't developed their core enough to be able to reach for toys in front of them without falling over. This is one of the benefits of crawling. It continues to develop the core muscles so that we can sit up, balance, and use our arms and eventually our hands for fine motor skills. The better our core activation, the better our balance, and the better we will be able to sit up, not fall over, and begin using our hands to manipulate toys and play purposefully. This is the same concept for when our kids get to be school-aged. We expect them to sit in their chairs and color, cut, write, and do other fine motor skills at their desks. If the kids don't have the core strength, the endurance of the core muscles for continued activation that we get from crawling longer distances, the ability to sit upright and balance, we can't expect them to be able to use the distal part of their body needed to write their name. Their fine motor skill coordination could be very difficult for them if they are working so hard to keep their body upright and try to keep themselves from falling out of their chair. This is where we could see things like distractedness, being silly or goofing around, falling down and making a game of it, not trying to write their name or follow directions, or trying to do it and only getting the first letter and moving on to something else because they can't stick with it because they can't sit there long enough. Some other things we might see in the classrooms, wrapping their legs around the legs, their legs around the legs of their chair or desk for stability or support, leaning their head on their hand or both hands or resting their head on the desk, getting up and moving around the room, not sitting at their desk for long periods of time, especially during writing activities. Squirming around in their seat a lot or frequently changing positions in their chair. All of these things can be symptoms of kids who have a weak core and have difficulty holding a steady and static position for a length of time, especially while trying to use their hands for an activity at the same time. Of course, it is not a guarantee that the, that just because a child does one or more of these things that they do have a weak core, but it is something to watch for and definitely consider. If you are a teacher in their classroom and you are noticing any of these types of actions happening on a consistent and probably daily basis, it needs to be addressed. There are many kids in the school system that don't have IEPs or individualized education plans but may have difficulty with sitting up in their chairs and doing their table work because of weak core and trunk muscles. For one reason or another, they've managed to have passing grades or grades that are good enough, at least up until this point, and that could continue. But it could become more and more obvious if their handwriting continues to be difficult to read or if they're unable to complete longer writing tasks or math problems and things like that. They might be okay in the earlier grades because the requirements for sitting at their desk and doing writing or other fine motor activities are usually only for short amounts of time. But as they continue to get older, the expectations are for them to sit longer and longer before they are finished, which can be difficult for those kids with weaker core muscles who may not have the endurance to continue sitting still for that amount of time 
especially while trying to focus, like I said, on the distal part of their body with their hands um, writing or whatever they're doing at their desk. Some of the common strategies for classrooms include things like wiggle seats or balance discs in their chairs, or using yoga balls or stability balls instead of chairs, making sure their feet touch the floor so they can use that for added stability. You can um, place therabands around the legs of their chair so they can basically hold on to it with their feet for added support. These are some things that can help kids in the moment, which I think of kind of like band-aids for them. However, we can still actually work on their core muscles by adding some activities into their daily routine, like crawling, crab or other animal walking, push-ups, sit-ups, jumping jacks, depending on their age. Some of these might not be appropriate. For the early childhood and younger elementary kids, having them lay on their tummies during circle time, calendar times, or when you're reading books to them on the floor. This is really hard for some kids with weaker core and head and neck muscles to do, especially for several minutes to finish one of those activities. Basically, it's getting back to that activity of strengthening those back and belly muscles and increasing their endurance for using those muscles so they can hold steady longer when they need to sit at their desk. In addition to helping them be able to sit and attend longer or do writing tasks at school, these kiddos could have some difficulty with bilateral skills. Not just the physical act of writing and using their hand to hold the pencil and form letters or shapes, but the ability to write across the page, crossing midline. They might have trouble tying their shoes or take longer than others to learn how to tie their shoes. They might seem clumsy or uncoordinated with gross motor activities like in gym class or even when running around on the playground for recess. They might have trouble catching a ball with two hands or running and kicking a ball for soccer. It can look like they trip over their own feet even when just walking down the the hallway. Holding paper with one hand and cutting with scissors with the other hand could be difficult for them. Reading from books or on the smart board, or just on their papers can be difficult. All of these activities require crossing midline physically with their hands and legs or visually scanning with their eyes. Remember how I mentioned visual scanning the environment from the floor and the crawling position to navigate their way around the room? This may have been missed if they didn't crawl, and it could affect them later with their reading and writing skills. These are things that people in general may not be aware of, both therapists, teachers, and parents. And sometimes kids struggle with these types of skills, even if they did crawl when they were babies. There is no guarantee with kids that anything will be exactly like we want or expect it to. This is why I say let's encourage them to crawl just in case. We don't know for sure, but it could end up saving them some heartache and struggles in school and beyond. I'm all for that. I don't know about you. I'm going to end there for today. Please remember that next time you decide to make a purchase on Amazon, first you go to my website, mymidwesttherapy.com. Find one of my Amazon links, and it will take you to the regular Amazon page. Anything you purchase on their website immediately after clicking the links will support me in what I'm trying to do with this show by giving me just a little kickback. 
Thank you to those of you that have been supporting me this way already. I really, really appreciate it. And it will help me be able to continue putting out content like this for you. Have a great day and thank you so much for listening.